3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers, and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. Wednesday Breakfast pays respect to elders, past and present, of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning everyone. Today is Wednesday, February the 20th and you are listening to Wednesday Breakfast with me, Will. Me, uh, Edwin. And Dean, good morning. <laughs> Bit of an odd way to introduce. <laughs> I'm sorry, I kind of just threw you in there, didn't I? Yeah, no, last week, <laughs> not, last week though, Judith and I did like the weird, awkward, like, I'm here with Judith. And Judith was like, and Edwin. And we're like, oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't know how you're pointing at each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, I'm, I'm back. Dean, you're here. Yes. Ivan, yes. you've been here the whole time. I've been here the whole time. You don't Very actually issue. go home or anything. I don't leave the studio. No. <laughs> I rent um, the room above. <laughs> thank you for holding the fort. And, no problem. Um, and doing such a fantastic job for the last two weeks oh. whilst I was away, but also for all the weeks that you are here and even if I am here. Um, just just well, a good... Will. The best of eggs. The best yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, of... The we egg. How have we all been? Good. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Busy to the wall because I'm prepping up for my university. <sighs> yep. Yeah. The, the, the gap year, the dream is yeah. ending. Oh, no. And we're back hitting the books. So it's like this weird, I'm calling this weird kind of transitional, transitional period. period where it's like I'm busy all the time, but it's busy with friends because I know I'm not going to see friends and then I'm working. Aww. But I'm like, it's just like hectic bouncing from one thing to the other and then trying to actually get myself ready to study. <laughs> yeah. Um, Idwin is so stressed that she's hitting the table. That's right. I'm just, she's stomping her feet. <laughs> Which doesn't make really good radio, but yeah, we're, we're, we're in here. Um, when, when do you start? March the 4th. So okay. everyone goes back March the 4th. Next yeah. week's um, this magical thing called O-Week. Yeah. O-Week. Uh, Orientation yep. O-Week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so look... It'll be as it be. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> if, if you think about it, it's really only seven months. Yeah. Because you know, you're down in November, so. Yeah. 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 But it's a seven months. It's yeah. a seven months full of you having to, like, engage critically with a thing the <laughs> yeah. whole time. Yes. Yeah. Learn um, some journalistic ethics. Although we, sh- <laughs> we should probably be doing that in our everyday lives, but I feel like now that I'm not at uni anymore, I'm... You're off the hook. Oh, yeah? <laughs> You're free. Yeah. Well, live your life. <laughs> live it the best <laughs> way you can. <laughs> um, and, in, and in the course of living my life, I saw Barbara and the Camp Dogs. It was a couple of weeks ago now, so it's not really something that anyone okay. can go see, but they're selling their album... I'm not sure where. I will try to find the information during the episode. But Barbara and the Camp Dogs is two, a story of two, um, two women, um, First Nations women from out in Catherine in the Northern Territory who come to the big city and then they have to go back home um, because their mother's sick. And it's such like a, it's a road, it's a road movie. It's a coming of age story, but it was a play and it was a musical. And oh, wow. This sort of music peppered throughout they've got this band so barbara and the camp dogs the camp dogs is the name of the band that's on stage the whole time and they're part of the story and just every now and then they'll burst into like kind of rock and roll swing or like um kind of punky type vibes as well and it's they're so good the two oh gosh 
See, I'm the kind of person who listens to a song and doesn't know what the musician's name is or goes to a play and is like, okay, that person was nice. I He's don't know good. who they is, <laughs> but fine. Um, so I don't, I don't actually know any of the, the people involved That's in this right. amazing play, but it's, um, we'll Barbara and the Camp Dogs, great, um, music. If you can find them, I think probably on YouTube. Yeah. You can find some of the yeah. tracks. Um, well, yeah. jumping on the cultural train, um, I got to go to the Zine Festival. Hey. Um, that was terrible because I called it Zine the entire way through. <laughs> My mum was just like, n- no, yeah. wrong. Um, so just recapping, that was an interview we had That's a few That's why you're ago. going back to uni, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so true, Dean. Truer than you might think. Anyway, um, yeah, so we had this interview a few weeks ago and... Um, uh, I believe the guy at the time said uh, 200. Sinclair, yeah, um, had a sticky institute. Yes, yep. said uh, 270 artists mm. or something like that mm. uh, for both Saturday and Sunday. And I can tell you, it was packed yeah. with mm. artists. It was and people. It was really, really <laughs> crowded. Um, they'd taken over the trades hall and they had like um, one of the levels of the car park booked out, and under the car park was just completely overrun with artists Whoa, and makers. Yeah. It was. Fantastic. That sounds um, amazing. I have to say, because yeah. everything ranges from, like, the most expensive thing you get is about $10. Mm. Um, I just spent like crazy. Yes. Uh, do I want a $1 sticker? Yes, I do. Do I want to support <laughs> your $2? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> so do, do you have a figure of how many zines you walked away with? Oh, uh, look. Not a figure, but I do know I walked away with some very cool think pieces. My oh. favorite one was, was um, When Feminism is Revolting. Oh. And then uh, for my partner, I got... Uh, the move away, the move to paganism. Oh, <laughs> oh, wow. uh, That's a, sli- a classes, you know, critique basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, there was it was a whole range from like you know you kind of you, you fun throwaway comics mm. and narratives to mm. like some pretty provo- provoking thoughts. So mm, mm. I was so interesting. I was impressed, and yeah. I definitely stress anyone who feels like it next year, go to it. <laughs> was that the annual one? Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's yeah. the uh, festival of the photocopier. Yeah. Mm. Otherwise, you've got. A three, I think they're open three days a week, or maybe mm. four. Um, Sticky Institute down in Campbell Arcade up until June, yeah. when they're thinking of being evicted. Um, mm. We we heard about the whole process a couple of weeks ago, and Luke Sinclair was on on the show. So um, it's not quite as simple as they're going to be kicked out in June. But um, yeah, until then, you can go down uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Okay, from mid day, always pop right. up at the Preston, set up at the Preston Market. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. You should, you should get something going. I'll yeah. something yeah. How have <laughs> you been, by the way? Good, very yeah. good. You know, just uh, back into the swing of things with work. Mm-hmm. And excited to be back here and covering some fantastic stories, which we will have on the show today. Oh, um, yeah. What's what's going on, on the show today? We were meant to have the guys from the NTEU, and that was um, pretty much about the Victoria University rejecting a non-union agreement mm. um, with a 67% uh, no vote in the mm. ballot conducted in the past week. We haven't been able to get uh, Matthew McGowan, the General Secretary. Yeah. Hopefully we'll mm. get him next week. And then at 7.30, we've got Debbie Brennan. Uh, of anti-fascist push coming into the studio. That's right. She's going to be teach- telling us about um, Jordan Peterson, the famed Canadian clinical psychologist and lecturer at Toronto University, who oh. also happens to be a is somewhat of a men's right a- rights activist, I think you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a bit more to him than that. And um, anti-fascist push is participating in a protest of his speaking tours yeah. here in Australia. And so we want to know what's going on with that. Why? Why? 
this figure and why why do we need to protest? Like for Milo Yiannopoulos, very well-known figure, we know why it was necessary to mm. come out and show force against him yep. and his poisonous ideals. And so we, what's wrong with Jordan Peterson? Um, Guess we'll find out. <laughs> so we're going to find that at 7.30. Um, then after? Yeah, 7.45, we're going to be having an interview with uh, Shemaine Smith, uh, the director of the DAX Centre. And the DAX Centre and uh, SANE Australia, two mm-hmm. organisations around mental health in Australia, actually merged last year. This mm. is the first kind of... Uh, child to come out of the first exhibit to come out of it mm. um, and what it is is a large exhibit uh, looking at stigma around mental illness uh, and artists with mental illness and it's called uh, Stigma Dismantled and Revealed so we're going to be talking about kind of that and seeing seeing what uh, what's the story behind it I suppose wonderful and I think uh, a couple of weeks when I was here we spoke to the Northwestern Melbourne PHN yep. which was all about the uh, tenders, um, you know, for yep. and social isolation. Yeah, and, social isolation. and we've been picking up on that theme um, quite a bit, actually. Uh, we'll be picking up on that theme a little bit later, but I'll let us, yeah. <laughs> at 8.15, uh, but I'll let us finish 8 o'clock first. Uh, well, we actually don't have an interview for 8 o'clock. We'll be playing <laughs> some music and we'll be having fun and having chats. That's right. Um, so updates. Let's, let's go straight through to then, about 8.15. Well, 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 sorry then. Um, what we're <laughs> going to be doing is uh, we will be looking at kind of social isolation and loneliness. But instead, what we're looking at is the multicultural youth report to come out of the census from last year. And this Mm. is looking at 15 to 25-year-olds, kids from uh, migrant or refugee or, uh, you know, different countries' backgrounds who have Mm -hmm. come to Australia and kind of the pressures that are placed between them while they're trying to to kind of find their identity or shape their identity between obviously two very different cultures or so. Mm. And it talks about not only the kind of the the really optimistic outlooks and findings from the census, but also some of the social hurdles that we've still got in place, such as lack of infrastructure mm. in English classes, social support networks and stuff mm. like that. So okay. we'll be talking to Dr. Rumi Khan about that, and she'll be kind of talking about the power behind youth voice in this kind of topic. Uh, and I know okay. um, when I was on Thursday Breakfast in 2017... Mm. Uh, in November, we interviewed um, the Multicultural Youth Advocacy Network at the yeah, time, and they yeah. were having their first Multicultural Youth Conference, oh. which led to the production of this report. Oh, wow. That's okay. actually pretty amazing. A little yeah. bit of a throwback. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, just, just goes to show 3CR, we follow stories long term. <laughs> we don't just drop <laughs> them the day after. Committed. <laughs> yes. um, you're listening to 3CR Community Radio. The time right now is 7.11, and we'll be right back. Some folks know about it, some don't. Some will learn to shout it, some won't. But sooner or later, baby, here's a ditty. Say you're gonna have to get right down to the real nitty-gritty. Let's get right down to the real nitty-gritty now. One, two, nitty-gritty now, yeah, boom. Nitty-gritty, ooh-wee. Right down. 
and you are listening to 3CR Community Radio Wednesday Breakfast. Uh, so usually we'd have alternative news in this bracket, but mm-hmm. um, I thought it might be fun to trial something. This isn't, you know, we're not going to promise this is um, the same thing going ahead. Um, this will be alternative media. It gives us a bit more scope like to talk about things that we don't necessarily consider as news, mm-hmm. um, because I've been doing a lot of learning by reading fiction um, this year, and um, and also sort of consuming other types of media as well. And mm. I find that a really great horizontal um, kind of uh, open, I, I don't know how to describe it, but like really, like I don't know if democratic's the word, but... Oh, just, I can see that, spread out um, yeah. and thematic almost. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. Medium are podcasts. Um, nice. If you folks listening at home don't know, uh Wednesday breakfast podcasts. We record our shows and then we pop them up into easily downloadable files on our website, 3cr.org.au slash Wednesday hyphen breakfast. Um, in fact, all of the shows do that. We all podcast, um, the breakfast sh- shows and a couple of other great shows on 3CR like, um, uh, Women on the Line, Accent of Women, um, Stick Together, Stick Together, um, <laughs> which is on after this, Earth Matters, which Earth is, Matters, was before this, which was before this. <laughs> Thank you for um, a great half hour of news um, about the Murray Darling Basin and um, the uh, climate emergency that's that's manifesting very visibly there. Mm-hmm. Um, so great shows like that podcast, and that means that they're online forever. It's not like you're listening to your AM radio. And then it just sort of disappears into the ether. It has a different quality, being able to listen back to something like that. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a really great thing, um, podcasting. It just, um, you can do it on such a small budget, um, and it's a small scale thing that you can do. You can just record some audio and then pop it on into the, into the ether and people can (laughs) access it either directly from websites online or from Mm. podcast, um, podcasting apps. I use something called Castbox. Yep. Um, there are other ones. There's every Apple iPhone has a podcasting app as well, I know. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely. But yeah, uh, so the, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I've been listening to some great stuff lately and I really, yeah. I really love the, the discoveries that I'm making as time goes on. There are some, there's a, a pod, the most recent one that I've subscribed to is called The Queer Arabs. Ooh. And it's just, um, it's for people who identify themselves as Arabs and as queer and they're talking to, um, musicians and artists and essayists and thinkers and friends and people of the community. Um, it, it is based in the U.S. A lot of these podcasts are based in the U.S., um, but they have such an interesting and sort of fresh perspective on what it means to be alive in these times and um, how to talk about being both queer and being a first-generation migrant to um, a, a, a white, dominated white Oh wow society and um what that means and yeah. i just find that really interesting it kind of connects with me i'm not arab myself but i i, I kind of um i kind of understand where where, where some yeah. of these people are coming from um uh there's also you know just comedy podcasts like the little dum dum club i've been enjoying <laughs> um it's uh who's it hosted by it's hosted by tommy DeSalo and carl chandler two great um, Melbourne comedians, um, you might, you might have seen them down at Spleen Bar. They do that free comedy night at, um, at, on Mondays. Oh, um, cool. but yeah, so there's such a great variety. Podcasts, basically. I'm, I'm spooking podcasts. <laughs> no, I totally, yeah. I totally get on board with that because I think, yeah. especially with radio, you've got to be somewhere at two to three, you know, two thirty to three thirty mm. with your dial switch to eight five five to make sure you catch the waves mm-hmm. and then, you know, life, 
goes on and something interrupts and you, you, you missed a chunk of it. So the mm. fact that, you know, you can decide to chuck it on while you're on your bike or, mm. or on your way to train, now that makes it really accessible and really um, mm. flexible to your lifestyle. On which note, mm-hmm. um, one last podcast that I want to bring up is called Ooh. Call Me By My Name Project, oh. um, which is a trans oral history project. It's a, um Australian-based production um made by trans people for trans people, but the rest of us are welcome to listen. <laughs> and uh, it was produced uh, around the middle of the year last year. And so usually with a with a great sort of radio series, those sort of things would be produced and then they'd disappear into the past. But this is available now and more or less forever. Not really. I don't know. I don't know how the internet <laughs> as in the long as the internet look. survives. But, um, <laughs> but these are introdu- um, introductions and interviews with um, with people who identify as trans um, in and around, I think, Melbourne or it might be Sydney. I'm not, I'm not 100%. I remember they mentioned it, but um, mm, mm. but great interviews. And I, I just really love hearing their voices. And I know that they're trying to make a season two. Um, so if you look up Call Me By My Name Project um, on your podcasting app or if you look them up online and on Facebook, um, you'll have a way of listening to them and also maybe pr- participating in their future season. That sounds pretty funky. Um, podcasts that I listen to mainly are 3CR ones, but mm-hmm. I would say um, the if you're ever in the mood for something fantasy and a little mm-hmm. bit weird, uh, welcome to Night Vale. Oh, have yeah. to be my... Yeah, classic. <laughs> They've been running for years, They've been running they? for years. They've um, got a TV show coming up or something like yes, that as well. Yes, they do. So what is it? Do. What's it about? Welcome to Night Vale is kind of a fictional town of Night Vale, and it's all narrated by the radio host. Mm. So, you know, <laughs> touching on the radio vibes. But, yeah, it's all narrated by the radio host who's reporting the weird going-ons in the town. So, you yep. know, it's like, oh... There's a cloud coming towards us this morning, careful listeners of Night Vale, and then five minutes later, it's, you know, the cloud has always been here. The cloud loves us. (laughs) And then it just goes, like, white noise for a few minutes, and then it comes back with... I'm sorry, we seem to have lost, you know, transmission. <laughs> and the cloud suddenly disappeared. So right, it's that right. sort of, like, it's spooky, sci-fi. It's otherworldly. It's otherworldly. Yeah, it's, it's a little yeah. bit unnerving. Okay. But that would be my... Um, Recommendation. I've also been listening to Violent Times by Vice News, and Vice News is not something a news outlet I would support really or recommend. No. But um, I have been very much enjoying their podcast, Violent Times, because it takes individual stories and it focuses in on them. So the one I really, really enjoyed reading was um, about this woman who had joined the Tamil Tigers, mm. and it's named Tamil Tigers and Tintin, and it dis- she discusses within it her motivation the culture she grew up in her motivations for joining the Tamil Tigers and her journey through it and it's just a really it was just a really fascinating narrative so they kind of take out different individuals Mm. and kind of look at yeah look at their stories which is really fascinating yeah no matter what the things that's kind of my alternative media for the week Mm, okay so going back through them call me by my name project um Mm -hmm. trans podcast um sort of trans interviews and storytelling um, what was the Violent Times? Violent Times. Yeah. Uh, Welcome to Night Vale. Welcome to Night Vale. a really great one. That's a fictional podcast. There is no actual cloud, I don't think. I don't. Coming. I hope not. <laughs> um, and then I also mentioned up the top uh, The Queer Arabs, which is also yep. a kind of interview, sort of sit-down conversational style thing. Um, also, very quickly, I don't want to spend heaps of time on, time on this, but Bernie Sanders is running for president in 2020 Whoa. in the United States. Get in early. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, they're all running now. Apparently, every single Democrat is running for the nomination yeah. for president. Yeah. Um, so we should have done that last time, and then we wouldn't have had to have the Trump administration. Well, I, 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 I hope everyone well. wins. <laughs> yeah, I think most of them did sort of run. Yeah, that's true. Just like, that's true. It was uh, a bit dodgy. They just took it for granted, and they just mm. walked up, and it was ridiculous. Mm. Good luck, Bernie. Well, <laughs> good luck change, I think. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, do we do we have anything else for alternative news before we move on? No, I just quickly wanted to... Um, I caught up with my former co-host on Monday and um, just wanted to say congratulations to all the people involved with uh, the landmark uh, Medivac bill. So ah. I caught up with Con ah, and, yeah. you know, and he was, it was quite interesting to hear what happened inside the corridors of power mm. and how... You know, that change happened and how quickly it happened yeah. and where he was, mm. who he was talking to. Can we be was. clear? Who's Con? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he was the co-host of Thursday Breakfast, Con Carapanatitudiaris, who is the uh, CEO of the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre. Yeah. So, yeah, and, um, you know, just everything from how Bill Shorten left them out to dry, really, and mm. the people who were so pro what they were doing. And effectively... The bill was written by the um, advocates of asylum seekers, mm. essentially, yeah. Yeah, right yeah. up until the last minute. You know, like yeah. it was just amazing, just to hear. And just and just to clarify, this this bill is giving medical emergent urgent medical treatment mm-hmm. to asylum seekers on offshore detention centres who need it. So that will mean that they're brought into Australia for their medical treatment, but they'll be brought back. And I found what I found amazing about this bill is it came out and it was like a big, massive, well. Duh, finally. Thank yeah, goodness yeah. we've actually got yeah. it. After six years. After s- horrible, horrible yeah. amount of time, yeah. And then, of course, um, Malcolm Tur- uh, sorry, not Malcolm Turnbull. Scott Morrison. Scott Morrison goes, oh, yeah, well, then I'm going to open Christmas Island. Take that. Yeah. And it's like, oh, so it's this constant frustrating battle against this current government to try and get just any sort of decent... Yeah, just a, just a bit of weird fear-mongering, isn't it? Yeah, like it's, it's, just, it's a lot of fear-mongering. And then the, the the money spent on these weird commercials in 175,000 languages. Mm. You know, Scott Morrison trying yeah. to tell both people not to mm. come here. You mm. know. Alternative news. Uh, Scott Morrison, allegedly, uh, has decided to start using... Um, Married at First Sight, the horrible TV show, mm. you know, the reality mm. TV show. Hence um, podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reality TV show, and he's going to be using it within uh, the Pacific Asia region, so te- televising it over, you know, our, our neighbouring countries, and that's been critiqued as a what? form of soft power. To stop people Regional from relations. To, to stop people from wanting <laughs> no, to come here? No, to so, like, supposedly increase Australia's kind of... Profile. Profile. Oh, that's interesting. As a group yeah. of narcissistic people. Married yeah. at first sight. Yeah. It's a yeah. social experiment possibly yeah. gone wrong. A 30-year-old virgin who goes on television to try and get married, you uh, know, and it's just a bit... Um, right. and, then people, and then people complain. Like, I don't watch mm. them, but you read in the paper mm. that you're on a television program. Mm. It's scripted. You know, and then yeah. people are just like, oh, they've just made me out to be a villain. In all of them, in all the cookie shows, it's like, no wonder people <sighs> yeah. listen to podcasts mm. I feel or like watch Netflix. This is definitely, we could do a whole hour and a yeah. half show on how but cooked reality <laughs> TV <laughs> is. Yeah. Um, but shall we, shall we throw to some community announcements? Then yeah, and then um, I'll get our guest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, uh, you're listening to 3CR Community Radio. Stay tuned. The landlord is coming. Do you want more hag in your life? 
The Housing for the Aged Action Group show is changing time slot and will be coming to you twice a month from 5.30 to 6 o'clock on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month here on 3CR. That means twice as much news and information about older people's housing issues, including public housing, tenants' rights, housing activism, retirement villages and caravan parks, elder abuse and family violence, aged care, welfare rights, the cost of living, and housing issues for older people with disabilities from culturally diverse backgrounds, LGBTI elders, and other groups in the community. And we'll be hearing from the real experts on older people's housing, older older people people themselves. themselves. So tune in for The Hag Show, 5.30 to 6 on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month, starting March 13th, here on 3CR. Three CR broadcasters present over a hundred radio programs every week, including a diverse range of community language shows. Come to one Three CR Community Radio. Please subscribe now. تستمعون إلى Three CR Community Radio الرجاء الاشتراك الآن. نينغل لونغلين سموها بانولي Three CR أي كرت كوندير كوندير كالي. Están escuchando Radio Comunitaria 3CR. Suscríbete ahora. Metsuk Ketsek Radio y Gayaranin, Horatanguda Melbumi Hai Kaotin, Hima Arzanakrovetsek Ipertrisiari Antam. Support the station that gives your community a voice. Subscribe to 3CR. Let the mythical Tarantula bite you at the 2019 Taranta Festival. Five days of southern Italian and Mediterranean music, food and culture from March 13 to 17. Including the exclusive Melbourne concert by the 2018 Song Alliance Music Awards Best Group in the World, Cantoniera Grecanico Salentino, direct from Italy via Juan Adelaide, at the Thornbury Theatre, Friday, March 15. The festival includes talks, workshops, concerts and parties. For information and tickets, visit tarantafestival.com.au Presented by Devella, a 3CR supporter. Anarchy is on over the long weekend, March 9th to 11th, at Camp Eureka in Yarra Junction. The aim is to bring anarchists, families, friends and those interested together. Come share ideas, skills, food, music and laughter. There is a bunch of radical workshops and skill shares over the weekend. Check out our website, campanarchy.org or contact us on info at campanarchy.org or via the Anarchist Events Facebook page. Camp Anarchy is a 3CR supporter. You are listening to 3CR Community Radio. That was... Alma by Javier Amena, who is a Chilean artist. Um, and that was a single that she put out um, sort of late last year, and uh, I just love that vibe. It's kind of a really nice way to start our day. Mm. On Wednesday, a, Wednesday vibe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's let's get straight into it. You're listening totally. to Wednesday Breakfast here on 3CR. The time right now is 7.30, and uh, we're going to be talking 
all things pseudo-intellectual hacks, um, aren't we? We've got Debbie Brennan in the studio from Anti-Fascist Push, um, and we'll find a bit more about that organisation later in the interview. But first of all, Debbie, welcome to 3CR again. You've thank been here a couple of times. Uh, and thank you so much for joining us. Um, so, Debbie, can you tell us... Um, I guess we do have to talk about Jordan Peterson. Um, he's a clinical psychologist, a professor at the University of Toronto, and also a far right wing ideologue. What, what's up with that? What's his um, What's his ideology? Okay, first of all, he pretends not to be a far right um, ideologue. He just uh, pretends to be an independent intellectual academic, um, pushing his his junk science. Um, but what is this far-right um, stuff all about? He came onto the scene um, a couple years ago, 2016, um, and that's when in Canada uh, they were looking at amending the Human Rights Act to uh, include um, transgenderism. So, uh, And he just really he, he used that to take a stand, he took this stand on free speech, um, declaring that he would never use the preferred pronouns of his students. That's interesting. Yeah, he, um, he had a particular objection to, um, to the, the new, as he calls them, pronouns, um, um, but, but just using correct pronouns in general. And um, what was his argument against using these pronouns? Like, what's wrong with calling people what they want to be called? He, he called it compelled speech, mm. I guess the opposite of free speech. Mm. And really, it's, it's all part of his, um, his misogyny. I mean, he, he, that, that's his whole platform, mm. is misogyny. And, of course, coming out of that is, of course, the transphobia, and the homophobia. Mm. So um, he uh, rails against another uh, uh, reform in terminology that was being put, which was, for example, to refer to parents instead of mother and father. So he comes out and he says, you know, children need a mother and a father Mm. and that that kind of um, stuff. I suppose our listeners will be familiar with the kind of people who call themselves traditionalists or pragmatists, um, cultural Mm. pragmatists. Um, Yes, and and what what he does, of course, and all of it, it's like from a template. None of this is new Mm. at all, but um, what he does is he uh, refers to that cultural Marxism, the Marxist lie, uh, whenever it's mentioned that um, there's any kind of um, oppression that exists mm. uh, toward anybody, so that that's his whole his whole package. But his his specialty is misogyny, homophobia, mm. and transphobia. Mm. And um, he became the big free speech hero mm. back in 2016, and he's been going. You know, hell for leather ever since. And so that was the um, the act to amend the Canadian Human Rights Act and Criminal Code, otherwise known as Bill C-16. It was a big topic of conversation in North America mm. um, back in 2016. Um, do we, what happened with that? Did that pass? I end? believe it did. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, as a result, Jordan Peterson has gained a, a great following um, from the far right. Um, but how how is it that ideologues like Jordan Peterson are able to um, 
given credibility by certain sectors of the mainstream media, call themselves um, centrists or call themselves mm. um, pragmatists rather than and, and traditionalists rather than far right figures. How, how do how do they sort of do that bait and switch? Well, um, he's had, of course, the the um, the far right came, you know, charging in to embrace him, mm. and um, the alt right, as we call it, that's. Um, like uh, the Richard Spencer types, the, the so-called intellectual in suits, mm. respectable far right, they they took him up as a champion. Mm. And so what they are able to do, because of course the alt-right is well organized globally, um, they're able to give him a platform in, in, for example, Rebel Media, which is the Canadian you know, far right um, social media um, source has funded him up to $170,000. And, of course, he's in there with the likes of Lauren Southern and Stefan Molyneux, who we know from last year because they he's part of that parade that mm. comes out here. Mm. And um, so he, he's got that platform, and the alt-right is able to um, mobilize huge, huge, huge audiences. So he's actually their, their big magnet at the moment. But in terms of the broader media, I mean, it's quite um, horrible that he is going to be on Q&A on yeah, Monday night. Yeah. And, and the thing is that the far, well, the, the right wing really pressured and hammered uh, Q&A, mm. um, charging them with, you know, the media bias and all that kind of stuff. And Q&A just caved in. Mm. And so he's going to be on. So he's even expanding um, mm-hmm. that that audience so there you go it's just it, it, it's like a, a big it's a machine and, and Debbie would you say you mentioned you know these media organisations these social media platforms do they see themselves as these associates or are they sort of trying to do it all you know behind a, a thick blanket when you say they mm. uh, rebel uh, media yeah, rebel, rebel media, media and all, would they call themselves his associates or are they sort of just pushing him out but doing all the work Behind the cloak and dagger, sort of. You know, I, I, the the way I see it is that um, the far right is trying to build a global movement. Yeah. All right. So they need the likes of, you know, um, shams like him, like Lauren Southern, Milo Yiannopoulos, etc. And so, of course, they're going to use him, and he's going to use them. Yeah, yeah. But I think the thing that's a concern to us is that it is all part and parcel of building a global far-right movement, mm. and that's the thing that we've got to mm. stop. Mm. Um, so uh, uh, we kind of me- made reference to this before, but um, Jordan B- Peterson is referred to as part of the intellectual dark web, and um, so my understanding of that is that people who don't feel welcome in um, traditional elite institutions of learning, even though um, Jordan Peterson found his wings in University of Toronto, which I would say is a pretty elite institution in Canada. Yes. Um, so how, how does that cast um, elite learning institutions? Like they, they themselves are not blameless, um, but they don't tolerate or they, they have less tolerance for people who are part of the so-called intellectual dark web like Jordan Peterson. So what does that say about first those elite institutions, but also the people who organise themselves as intellectuals outside of that, but are far right wing. You know, when um, Peterson did his thing back in 2016 um, regarding his students and their preferred pronouns, um, the University of Toronto did um, 
uh, sent him a letter and they were telling him that um, that is discriminatory and basically not acceptable. Um, when he made the big hoo-ha saying that I will go to jail, which of course was rubbish, um, he wasn't going to be sent to jail, but um, they pulled back. And this is the problem with these, whether elite or otherwise um, respectable institutions, is that they, um, if they don't put up the fight, if they don't take a stand, then um, then the Jordan Peterson types mm. are, 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 are given their big... Uh, their mantle mm. to be able to go further. So what does it say about these institutions and academics mm. um, within it? They're not strong enough. I mean, they're, no. not, they're not taking Even though they are, they are literally the elites of learning, yeah. they don't seem to exercise that power, power with any sort of judiciousness or thought, or, or, that being, or they're much further right than they claim to be. Could be, and I, I, I guess um, I think a lot of it could have to do with just liberalism, right? You know, it's just like um, you. We want to tolerate everybody. We're not going to stick our necks out very much. But of course, try to say that about anybody who dares to stand up for Palestinian rights. And I don't think mm. that those mm. institutions are going to be quite so polite. No. Okay. Okay. Um, that's just an interesting read of the the way that these people cast themselves as outsiders. I was just going to say. Um, Obviously, the, the, these figures just are starting to come to Australia, and obviously coming out of Trump administration and the rise of just the right globally, we're starting to see this dysphoria where they're just, the speakers are going out and doing this. Um, this is the first time I've kind of seen it, well, this is the first time I have seen it come to Australia, and it's just like time after time we're starting to see these extremists coming. Why are they picking Australia and mm. audiences here? Do we have enough audiences are sympathetic and what are they trying to achieve here? What do you think they will achieve? Here? Yeah, look, that, that's, that's, that's a good question. Um, well, I think they're coming out to Australia as part of their, their, um, their traveling ideologues. So Peterson would be a good example. He's crisscrossing mm. the globe. Okay. So New, New Zealand and, and Australia are just part of that crisscrossing. Mm. Okay. So in that respect, there's nothing terribly special about Australia. Mm -hmm. It's just that we're a good market. And mm. um, you know, we hear from the whole Milo Yiannopoulos saga and his and his yeah. finances that um, you know these speaking gigs are, are terribly lucrative. So why not Australia? But um, but added to that, I think, is what we were kind of talking about before, which is okay. So they come to Australia and they are getting these audiences. Yeah. That is that's the problem for us. Uh, for example, last weekend he spoke at the Sydney Opera House. It was sold out. Um, he's on Q&A, as we said. Mm, mm. Uh, and so when these, these so-called celebrities come out, yeah. not only are sections of the media um, just bowing before them um, and just taking full advantage of it, yeah. as we know, we've even seen certain parliamentarians grab them up, such as Milo Yiannopoulos and so on. So um, I think that what these traveling ideologues, demagogues are, are able to count on yeah. is the fact that globally there is a far right movement and they're mm. just simply tapping into the right wing here and getting a good run. Mm. Well, getting a good run, however, they do meet resistance, which of yeah, course is right. what of course. we're all about. Of so let's talk about that resistance. Um, so Jordan Pearson is coming to Australia, we know this, um, and he's here as part of a speaking tour. Um, tell us what's happening next Wednesday. 
Yes, no, next Wednesday, which is February 27th, mm. uh, he is speaking at the Melbourne Convention Centre. Uh, and so a protest against him um, has been called. Uh, and that's been called by Campaign Against Racism and Fascism. Um, I'm a part of a united front, which is called PUSH. The full name is Organizing and Educating to Build a United Front. And um, PUSH is going to be there uh, with a contingent. So, and, and I'm all sorts, all Lots of other people are going to be coming mm. as well. So Not just push, a couple of other organizations. A whole bunch. Yeah. You know, people are just going to be coming as, as they do mm. whenever these, these figures show up. So the point of that is that um, these people have to be confronted, and I mean their ideas have to be confronted, and they have to be exposed. And so that's what's happening on Wednesday the 25th. 7th outside the Melbourne Convention Center from 6.30 p.m. So, and the other thing about that is that when um, we are communities who are the targets of these people, and when I say targets, I mean, this stuff is really dangerous. Uh, we, we only need to think about, you know, the violence against women, the, 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 the beatings and the murders of of queers, um, trans people, people of color. This is really dangerous stuff. So when we, the targets, are out there confronting and exposing these people, this is vitally important because this is exactly what we have to do to, to, to shut them down. Mm. So just to quickly recap so that if anyone's interested in either joining or observing, um, when and where will this protest happen? It's happening at 6.30 at the Melbourne Convention Centre. That's at South Wharf. Um, on Wednesday the 27th. If anybody wants to get in touch with PUSH and be part of our contingent, um, they should uh, get onto our Facebook page. Um, they'll find us easily. Uh, or email us at antifascist.push at gmail.com. Thank you very much, Debbie Brennan, for joining us. Debbie Brennan is a member of PUSH, organizing and educating to build a united front against fascism. Find them on Facebook. You are listening. And Melbourne Convention Centre is on White Man Street. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> oh. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. We'll be right back. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855am. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. Are you passionate about films, interested in cultural diversity or wanting to get exposure for your own film? The Indonesian Film Festival is just around the corner with our main events running from March the 23rd to April the 10th. There will be free film screenings, panel discussions and for filmmakers there's the short film competition. This year's theme is The Unknown and film submissions close on the 3rd of March. What are you waiting for? Go and check it out. The Indonesian Film Festival, iffaustralia.com, a 3CR supporter. I just think that it's ironic that the state of Victoria want to treaty with Aboriginal people but have no issue in destroying our sacred sites. 
war is devastating on the environment. In peacetime, the military is a huge user of fossil fuels, a huge driver of nuclear energy, and ultimately the architect of nuclear weapons. Subscribe to 3CR in 2019, fighting for social justice and environmental change. And to all the people that are so afraid of the solutions to climate change that they choose to live in denial instead, the current solutions to the climate emergency are much easier to cope with than the outcomes that will come if we don't. Feed Radical Radio. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. Follow, follow the sun. Which way the wind blows. Transitions Film Festival returns to Cinema Nova this February with a selection of cutting-edge documentaries about what it means to be human. Featuring local and international documentaries, the festival covers social and technological innovations, big ideas and changemakers leading the way to a better world. Themes include art, activism, climate change, food revolutions, artificial intelligence and the future of our planet. Transitions Film Festival, February the 21st to March the 8th at Cinema Nova. Tickets from transitionsfilmfestival.com. A 3CR supporter. And you're listening to Wednesday Breakfast 3CR. Now, for our next story, a little bit of background. Last year, SANE, an Australian outreach charity that helps support Australia's 4 million affected by complex mental health issues, merged with the DAX Centre, a centre that aims to reduce stigma and prejudice around uh, artists with mental illness and mental illness as a theme through its extensive collection of works across artistic mediums. Um, out of this partnership, a new exhibit uh, exploring mental illness and the societal stigma around it has been brought out. It's called Stigma Dismantled and Revealed, and we have Charmaine on the line to talk to us about it today. Good morning, Charmaine. Good morning. Good morning. So, um, well, I suppose coming out of this merger, please do correct me if, if I'm wrong if it's the first thing to come out of it, but um, yep. why, why Stigma Dismantled and Revealed? Why did you choose this as your first initiating project? Yeah, well, the two organisations have shared a um, common goal to reduce stigma um, towards mental illness for more than three decades now um, mm-hmm. and we still know that stigma is a large issue for people with um, lived experience of mental illness so for us it made perfect sense to um, explore this theme as kind of our first project um, together post the merger. Uh, yeah I suppose um, the, 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 the choice of words is absolutely fantastic I believe uh, stigma dismantled dismantled and revealed uh, could you kind of extend on that because revealing stigma to this for for my I, I don't know perception of it it means you know to expose it to show it to to demonstrate it and then dismantling it sounds like there's a, a there's a process to breaking it down how do you think that this exhibit then breaks it down yeah look there's a lot of research around what helps to break down um, stigma and we mm-hmm. know that two main um, ways that help to break down stigma are um, Education, so raising um, community um, awareness and promoting understanding. And the second um, main way is social um, contact, so the ability to actually uh, talk to somebody who has that um, lived experience. So this exhibition does both of those things. Um, We promote um, understanding um, and raising awareness through the artist's stories. 
mm-hmm. um, and I think coming to see the art actually gives um, our visitors an experience to actually have that social contact with somebody with that lived experience through the art um, and the other way of course also is through our um, public programs where the artists get a chance to share with the public um, their process of, of making their art and also parts of their story um, and I think once you hear parts of those stories the empathy begins to build um, the understanding is there and then suddenly the stigma sort of starts to fall away because it is um, dismantled through those stories and through that understanding um, and also I think the pain that stigma creates is revealed and when you see that pain mm. I think it's very difficult to want to keep up the kind of social norms and behaviours that created that um, stigma in the first place. And I suppose there's such power in uh, direct experience. Obviously artists, you know, novelists usually can adopt different different you know backgrounds or stories and they kind of give their interpretation on it but this is people speaking about their real experience and what, what mm. they've gone through what do you think what's your sense of that why why do you think that is so powerful because this sounds especially like an exhibit where the artists are so heavily involved they have been and they are yep and i think we um appreciate that they've done that as well because there's also i guess a vulnerability that happens when you uh, share your story as well Um, And I think why it's so impactful in that it's a direct um, experience is because um, the impacts of that experience then create a um, connection between our artist and the viewer. And it's that connection between two people that really begins to build the empathy. And as that builds um, and the understanding builds, stigma is revealed and then it slowly falls away. Um, you know, I, we had the um, opening night on Friday night mm-hmm. and we, we have a place where people can leave um, feedback for the um, artists and one person left a note that said, thank you so much, your artwork has explained the impacts of mental illness to me in a way that no words ever could. And I suppose this exhibit um, does have this this absolutely amazing dual purpose. Um, I, I know from just talking with you uh, previously that we were discussing how it creates a safe space for artists with this mental illness and the stigma attached to their work and name and it provides them the platform them, for them to display it and as you just said to to kind of break down the stigma. Um, I was wondering kind of with the background of this can we touch on what kind of limitations and discriminations do artists with mental illness kind of face within the within the art market? Yeah, yep. Look, I think things for each artist that looks a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. I think for some artists it's that it's very hard to find a gallery um, or a space to, to share their um, artwork in. Um, and I think if they uh, specifically want to explore themes around their mental illness through their artwork, that can be even harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a lot of artists that aren't classically trained. So for them, even knowing how to begin to find a gallery space um, and how to go about having that conversation is very um, difficult. So what we do is we provide a safe um, and supportive platform for artists that are both classically trained and others that aren't trained at all, um, but are using their artwork as a way to kind of process their um, lived experience. And Charmaine, it's uh, Dean here. And I just want to try ask, in terms of this program, and obviously now you've got this exhibition, is there... I guess something in the future in place for people who, as you say, might not be classically trained, but they like the idea 
of, of, of painting and it might sort of work as more of a, a social prescribing model where, you know, maybe GPs could refer patients whose health is being affected by non-medical factors to come and try, you know, art as a way to, I guess, maybe even combat things like social exclusion and, and mental health. And express what's yeah. going on. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. Look, there are some programs that are currently um, available that do do that. It would absolutely, I think, be a dream of mine if we were able to offer some um, a studio program that um, provided that opportunity um, for people. So that's something that sort of is kind of sitting there in the background um, that we're talking about, that we're thinking about, and we just need to work out, you know, how we would fund that, what that model would look like. So, yeah, I think that's definitely a dream and an idea um, and we just need to work slowly towards that to work out you know yeah how we would do that definitely definitely and I, I suppose uh, the last thing I'd like to touch on and we've we've said it a few times now but obviously putting mental illness to the forefront of this exhibition really invites um, people to meet it with their preconceptions of stigma and stuff like that. It, it, it's this very vulnerable experience where it goes, right, we are not hiding, we're not going to just mention the artist's name, we're going to actually draw this part of their identity to the forefront, or this part of their experience to the forefront, and uh, confront the audience. And not confront with a negative connotation, but kind of just say, okay, this is part of their life, this is part of their, this is undeniable. Um, and to kind of see where people go from that. Have you seen that the reaction to that is mainly positive? Like, what what do people come away with from the exhibit? Yeah, I think people come away with a greater understanding of um, what living with a mental illness can look like. And, mm. and obviously that journey looks different for absolutely um, everybody. So it's that connection with somebody. So it's through the artwork, I think, that that connection builds um you know i think art can show us somebody else's experience in a way that possibly no other medium can i think Mm -hmm. it allows us to kind of connect with somebody heart to heart um and when you have that connection and you have that link it's very hard to stigmatize against somebody um and i think it's you know when you have that link with somebody and that sense of what they're being through all of a sudden kind of any ideas around um, discrimination, prejudice, stigma, they do fall away um, and that's a very powerful thing. And, and mental illness is on so many levels, isn't it, that, you know, to that some people might not even know they have a mental illness until they come in and maybe see something and go, oh, I can relate to that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, yes. I think that's very true. I think that's yeah. also a great point, Dean, because if you think about mental health, mental illness, it's all on a continuum. Mm. So all of us have the potential to, and, it, and people forget that. They think it's a black or white sort of scenario. So just being able to see that goes, oh, no, there is always a point in our mental health where we can relate to someone who's going through a more extreme version of version it. Of it. Yeah. Um, to, to varying extents, of course. Um, so... Just wrapping up, Charmaine, this will be, uh, this gallery is currently going on at the DAC Centre, is that correct, in, uh, in the Royal Parade? Yes, correct. So we're at 30 um, Royal Parade in the Kenneth Meyer building uh, on the grounds of Melbourne Uni. So if you just enter via Dr. Dax Cafe off Royal Parade, come to the very back of the building, you'll literally bump into us. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful. And I suppose the last thing, um, this has been obviously a fantastic collaboration project and we'll have to get down to see some of the artworks. Uh, Do you you have any new kind of projects coming up or what's your hopes for this this merge? Yeah, we do. So our next... um, 
exhibition coming up will be um, exploring uh, our poetry um, and visual arts that are in our Cunningham Dax um, collection. So that's going to open sort of early June. Um, and then there's a few other projects coming on after that. So I guess, yeah, if you'd like to stay um, up to date with what we're doing, you can follow us um, on Insta and you can also go to our um, web page, so um, daxcenter.org, and subscribe to our monthly um, newsletter as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's such an amazing exhibit, um, and I really hope that you, it goes well. well. Yeah, thank you for having me. No problem. Thanks, Thanks Jermaine. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. Anyone looking for information, support and guidance from mental health professionals can contact the SANE Help Centre on 1800 187 263. That's 1800 187 263. Or at helpline at sane.org. That's their email address. Otherwise, call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Uh, you're listening to 3CR Community Radio, and the time right now is dead on 8 o'clock. Uh, <laughs> shall we quickly go into the weather? Yeah, definitely. So, um, we're looking at a top of 22 today, nice yep. and mild. It's going to be partly cloudy, and we're looking at a chance of a light shower, most likely this evening. Otherwise, Perfect. light evening, uh, sorry, light winds becoming southwesterly, 15 to 20 kilometres per hour in the middle of the day. So, a little bit of a breeze around midday, and then at night time, bring your washing in, is the moral of the story. <laughs> a little bit of everything, which yeah, is what Melbourne right. does all Fantastic. the time. Fantastic. Can I, can I play you folks a song? Sounds good. Um, I've been listening to the Dixie Chicks lately. Yes. Um, and they are beautiful. If you don't like them, then you can leave the studio. Get out. Uh, this is Landslide. So, by did the you Dixie say you were playing Bowie? No. Oh, oh no. yeah, Will. <laughs> just like a Bowie. Um, just for folks listening at home, I, um, I revealed to everyone in the studio that I like neither David Bowie nor Queen, and now I have to go to jail. The phone's about to ring off the hook. <laughs> Honestly, the phone should ring off the hook. It's, it's a slight crime, Will. Let's, go, let's go with the Dixie. This is Landslide by the Dixie Chicks. <laughs> Would you like to get involved in the decision-making process at 3CR? Nominations are now open in 3CR's Community Radio Federation elections. You can stand as a subscriber representative and have valuable input into the programming and future direction of this diverse and dynamic radio station. Nominations are due by Friday the 1st of March at 5pm. For more information, contact 3CR Station Manager on 9419 8377 or download the nomination form at the 3CR website 3cr.org.au forward slash people G'day, my name is Margie Thorpe You are listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 on your dial I am sailing I am sailing on the for human rights, indigenous sovereignty and climate justice. Our destination is Manus Island. Join us for the Freedom Flotilla. Sailforjustice.org. Get on board. A 3CR supporter. We appreciate like you mob and all the people coming and visit us and doing stuff like this, you know, it's very good. It keeps a positive mindset in our mind, you know, and we really appreciate it. Because of her we can, yeah. 
Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project, giving voice to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates across Victoria. You can listen to audio from this year and previous years online anytime. How do you rehabilitate someone? They just put you in a cell and tell you this is how long you're going to do and it's meant to rehabilitate you, you know. Rehabilitation starts when you get out. That's when your life begins again, doesn't it? In here, your life's on hold. Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. Or if you'd like us to post you a free CD, contact the station on 03 when I first come to this jail, it was about 10 years ago, and, and I was a young one. I wait for young ones come off the truck there the other day, and they called me Auntie Marlene, so it helped me recognise and realise that I pulled myself up like, yeah, they're starting to look up to me, so I've got to represent and do the right thing now. Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. And you're listening to Wednesday Breakfast. It's a bit past eight, and we're going to have a look at a coming up segment that is still in the works, but should be out soon. So uh, the in-progress title for this is Would You Vote For This? Mm. Now, this comes out of a background of me getting really, really sick and tired of the rhetoric of security, finance, and mining policy, Mm. um, which we are constantly shoved down our throats, whether it's uh, our government officials kind of promoting security first, security first, security first, or our media going, ah, security's first. Um, and then we get hacked. And then we get hacked, of course. But the, the, the thing is that a lot of the policy that we, we get to hear about in um, in our media circle is, yeah, it, it's very, very limited. So I always love going onto the Australian Parliamentary website in my spare time <laughs> and scrolling through the myriad of bills that kind of go on because... If you do not know, if you do, um, bills can be sponsored by MPs, individuals, uh, public interest groups, as well as lobbyists. So you get quite a wide variety from quite a wide background, and these never get the media spotlight that they deserve, especially when we uh, kind of live in a supposed democracy. The whole idea is that the public, the civic public, have a responsibility to be engaged with our public, what's going on in our political affairs, but that's very much doesn't happen when your media is only focusing on very few bills that are actually before Parliament. So, I thought this segment, what we'd shape this segment to be is kind of looking at some of those, oh, some of those groovier bills that you never get to hear about, the ones with... Groovy. Groovy. I don't know if I ever call them groovy. <laughs> uh, no, but some of them are, Will. Some oh, of them yeah. are, like, okay. absolutely yeah. amazing. Um... Some of them are really progressive or really specific to a certain interest group. Some have been crafted by individuals who are deeply passionate about it and thus very, very appropriate to who mm. they're targeting. Mm. So we're going to focus a little bit on those sorts of bills, and we're also going to focus on the bills which kind of try to slip through without you mm. hearing about them, so ah. kind of the sneaky bills. Right. So I'm calling them sexy bills and sneaky bills. Sexy bills and sneaky bills. I yeah. like this. So <laughs> is that how we got that story about the modern slavery bill? Yeah. So following back, that's how we got the story about the modern slavery bill, which went through, was started last year, and yep. we interviewed Claire from uh, Project Futures, and she discussed how kind of thoughtless it was and the fact that it was it really lacked teeth at the time, critiqued the hell out of the bill for us. And then we watched as the bill went through Parliament, was amended to be even weaker, and then was luckily passed this was passed this earlier this year. Yeah. 
um, but unfortunately didn't achieve quite what it was supposed to. And there's a lot in that, like influences of the clothing yes. lobby and influences of yes. import lobbies mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So. so we figure, why not track this? Um, mm. Of course, it's up to us what we vote for, and often our, we, we put our trust in elected representatives to mm. vote for what we want to vote, what we believe in. Mm. That's not the case all the time. There is no. a huge amount of lobbyists, a huge amount of uh, change, and so I kind of want to draw accountability to your uh, to our representatives and kind of go, right, would you vote for this bill? And if so, is your representative voting for this bill? Mm. And is your representative actively doing their job in the parliamentary system? Mm. So that's what this is kind of going to be about. And we really encourage for this segment specifically um, as much, in- much interaction as possible. Yes. Feel free as we're bringing up bills to send us in bills that you've been tracking and you find funky, <laughs> <laughs> both in the sexy and sneaky way. Yeah. And um, also feel free to, um, while, while we're covering certain topics or tracking certain progress of bills, to, to tap in and go, you know, where is this at? Or hold us accountable to following them. And uh, tell us what you think of the bills that we're covering. So that will kind of be an upcoming segment that we're workshopping. But, yeah, that, that's in the washing machine at the moment, and it should be good. Hey, okay, I'm excited for this um, excited. coming forward. So I'm going to have to actually start visiting the Australian Parliament I'm House website. Um, if, yeah. if I wanted to do that now, what would, do you, do you yeah. know the domain yeah. name? Or I don't know the domain name, but oh, I do sorry, know... Sorry, not the domain name, the, the website. No, I will. <laughs> such an old man already. I'll work uh, us through it because yeah. it's a little bit of a step-by-step thing. So we go sure. to the Australian Parliamentary website. Uh-huh. And from there, you look up for bills, which is pretty easy to find. Sure. Um, so just you can search just do, bills. You can literally just search that. That will be bills and mm-hmm. legislation. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of brings you up to this big tally of current parliament bills before parliament. And if you just press search for bills, mm. which is, again, slight bang, it literally gives you all of them right. um, from A to Z. And uh, just the, the last thing to touch on with this is if you do find a particular bill interesting and you want to track it, you can actually write down your name and email press track and it will give you live updates as things happen to move apart. That's amazing. Mm. Because often, often, you know, uh, a a thing stands before the House of Reps and then Mm. it's two months until an amendment goes through and then the third hearing happens four days afterwards. So it's great to have something that actually goes, right, there's been progress made. Ding! (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, So I'm looking forward to this. Um, We haven't settled on the... Topic of yet? uh, The name. And the name. (laughs) The the name of the bill. Uh, Not the name of the bill, the name of the segment. (laughs) So feel free to send in that as well if you you want to. But the working title for now is, would you vote for this? Hmm. And we might get a sting that goes, (laughs) question mark, quizzical sounds. Beautiful. (laughs) You're listening to 3CR Wednesday Breakfast. The time right now is 8 14, and uh, we've got an interview, don't we? We do, we do. So this interview kind of ties into a little bit of what we've been covering recently with uh, isolation, social isolation, social isolation, loneliness, uh, social problems, social ostracization, all that sort of stuff. But this kind of ties in more to acculturative stress. And acculturative stress is the psychological effects of adapting to a new culture and all the changes involved within this. Um, in areas of functioning such as values, behaviours, beliefs and attitudes. And it's something that's facing um, our multicultural youth. So this is youth that have come across in migrant families from refugee backgrounds who are now in Australia and are kind of finding their place, finding their identity within it. So we have Dr. Kimi Khan um, on the line today. Sorry, Rimi. So sorry about that. Dr. Rimi Khan on the line today to talk a little bit further about this recent multicultural youth report and kind of uh, the hurdles and kind of um, 
joys multicultural youth are kind of faced with at the moment. So, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Very good. Again, apologies for missing the first name. But no worries. I've heard much worse. <laughs> I know. So have I, unfortunately. Um, but kicking off this, this report, um, it seems to be a really mixed bag of experience with some really like optimistic findings surrounding you know uh, multicultural youth's outlook on to Australia and their their new home for a, a word and on the other hand some really distressing social barriers for new migrants and refugees entering into Australia. I suppose um, just starting off the interview, could you start us off with some of the good stuff to come out of the report? Yeah, sure. So I guess one of the really positive findings. Uh, was that there were a really high proportion of multicultural young people. So these are young people aged between 15 and 25 mm-hmm. um, who have one or two parents um, for, born overseas or were born overseas themselves. Um, so there were a high proportion, about 80%, who said that they felt they belonged in Australia. So mm-hmm. we were really encouraged by that um, really strong sense of kind of attachment um, and connection to where they are now. Uh, and there were also a really high number, so 9 in 10 of the migrant youth who completed the survey said that they felt either confident or very confident about achieving their future goals. Mm, um, so again, there was this really high level of optimism, which um, is really positive, but also in some ways quite surprising given that we know that they, these young people also face um, a huge range of barriers as well. Um, so that's one thing that we're trying to kind of unpack now in our research is why there is this picture where on the one hand um, they seem to be quite optimistic but on the other hand there are these um, kind of really negative experiences that many of them have. Definitely, and I found really kind of fascinating to come out of the report um, the family environment that they're coming from. So it was really fascinating to read that four out of five of them say that they get along with their family most of the time and that family are uh, a source of friendship, which is absolutely fantastic to hear. But um, that being said, at the same time, we've got this dual kind of opposite side where they said that um, due to responsibilities, that 17% viewed family responsibilities and their role within their family as a barrier to work and education. Um, that being kind of contrasted with the 8.1% of non-migrant young people who feel the same way. Um, I was wondering, could you kind of talk us through that? What, what sort of um, respons- social responsibilities do they, they meet at home? Sure. Well, they have really complex connections with their families. And like you said, many of them are really close to their families, have a really kind of strong attachment um, to their families. But... The sort of flip side of that is that they have a lot of family responsibility as well. Mm. And so there are a lot of young people from migrant and refugee backgrounds who are coming to Australia um, and have a lot of care responsibilities mm-hmm. for their family. Um, so, for example, uh, family members, say parents who have limited English skills. Um, there were many stories of young people in our research who were you know, taking their mum to the doctor, for example, yeah, um, because she couldn't definitely. speak English. And that meant you know, taking the morning off school in order to do that. Mm. So there are you know, compromises that these young people are making and, you know, and these caring responsibilities, sorry, responsibilities mean that um, they're unable to kind of participate um, in other spheres of life in the ways that they might want to. So, yeah, there's this kind of complex sort of situation going on there with their families. But what it does mean is that, you know, they're incredibly hardworking and busy and it's the mm. kind of positive sort of capacity that they, they have. Um, it just 
also creates pressures for them at the same time. Definitely, definitely. And with uh, kind of moving out of the family circle, uh, the, the report also came out with the statistic that 49% of the people who had taken the survey had experienced some form of discrimination. Um, I, I suppose, could you talk us through what, what was kind of like the, the systems of discrimination that we have in our infrastructure? Yeah, well, they, there was a large proportion who said that they'd experienced some kind of racism or discrimination in the mm-hmm. last year. And it was a whole range of experiences that they were really um, referring to. So mm-hmm. these included um, experiences in public spaces, you know, harassment on public transport. Um, shopping centres was a really sort of important space for a lot of young people, I guess, because it's an important kind of recreational space. Um, for teenagers, okay. um, but they were talking about, you know, being kicked out of shops, um, being accused of shoplifting and so on, and sort of really feeling that sense of discrimination in those places. Um, for a lot of other young people, it was a much more systemic form of racism and discrimination. So um, in the workplace, so applying for jobs and just feeling like, you know, when they submitted their CVs, they weren't getting paid attention to because they had foreign-sounding names and so on. So, And right. there's a lot of research to actually back that up, that people who have um, Anglo-sounding names are much more likely to get a call back when they submit a resume than right. other right. foreign-sounding names. So, um, yeah, in some ways this wasn't a surprise to us, but it is... Um, quite shocking to sort of see the yeah. statistics. Still like very like telling that. of our society, definitely. Um, and yeah. I suppose the rhetoric we're getting from the government is, you know, the tightening of citizenship tests, the, the scare tactics of offshore detention centres and kind of the vilification of racial groups, which is obviously not a good sentiment to be facing multicultural youth. Do you think this prejudice that we're getting from that government rhetoric kind of trickles down? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think there are many young people who are really savvy about what's going on in politics now um, and they're really aware of the way that they're being positioned as kind of political footballs um, by our leaders. And I think that definitely has an effect. Um, You know, it definitely affects people's mental health. Um, Again, these kind of everyday experiences of racism, we could say uh, in many ways a sort of... um, effect of these policies and um, these kind of racist narratives that are circulating in the media and in politics. So, yeah, it definitely has an effect on young people. <coughs> Sorry, we're talking to Dr. Rimi Khan. Um, Rimi, the, the, I guess the report, that, that stemmed out of the conference that was held, was it, in 2017? The Multicultural uh, Youth Advocacy Network one? No, well, this project's actually been going on for a few years. Okay. So uh, it, it was a three-year research project that um, was run by the University of Melbourne um, mm-hmm. and along with a number of organisations working with multicultural youth around Australia. Mm. And it was really responding to the fact that um, there's not much systematic data that's collected on this group of young people. Mm, um, so there's a real lack of an evidence base um, even though you know multicultural young people have said things have things said about them by politicians and in the media all the time, um, it's not based on evidence. So um, we felt it was really important to kind of address that gap in knowledge. Yeah. Definitely, and addressing that as well, there's such power in having uh, the direct voice of multicultural youth talking about multicultural youth issues. How do we see that galvanised in our system? 
or how would we see that galvanised in our system? Yeah. yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think there really needs to be more opportunities for multicultural youth to become advocates for these issues that they're facing. Um, there are, like I said, there are a lot of young people who are involved in our research who are really savvy yeah. and really articulate about their own experiences. And I think if there was more space, you know, in the media, um, in our political system, in different kinds of public institutions, for these young people to actually participate and, you know, work for some of these institutions, then Definitely. I think we'd see a really big shift um, in the kinds of narratives um, that are circulating about them. Um, I think the problem is there are too many people in Australia's public institutions who aren't willing to give up their power. Mm, um, definitely. But it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future because um, multicultural young people actually make up about half of young people in Australia. So it's yes. not the small minority that we're talking about. It's actually kind of... Australians, really. Yeah, and I think um, that yeah. that really needs to be stressed because uh, Australia has a huge migration or immigration history. I mean, we have an immigration museum, and every time we have a wave of migration, we, we see that Australia hasn't really provided enough social infrastructure. So I think necessarily to to meet the needs. So. And that it's starts with reevaluating exactly. current policies, exactly. approaches, and practices. To so it's great to see see that happening. And, yeah. and as you did mention, um, I've got the statistic here. It's something like seventy five percent were engaged in one or more civil or political activities, which is just an amazingly switched on um, mm. yeah. statistic of a switched on population. Um, I suppose the last kind of thing I wanted to, to follow on is kind of how do we, yeah, how do we celebrate this voice as well, and and kind of really, yeah, get to look at this this hybrid personality between Australian and their cultural background and all the power that they have to bring to our society? Yeah, I think in some ways it's kind of inevitable because I think this is just the changing face of Australia. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, in the next few decades, I think we're going to see some changes in our cultural landscape. Um, and I think that's a really exciting thing, like you said, to be celebrated. Mm -hmm. um, I think that yeah, these young people, when they talk about their experiences, it's really clear that they've got this amazing capacity to kind of move between cultural worlds, you know, to be kind of cultural mediators and brokers kind of, you know, between different cultural contexts, which is really what we need more of today. Um, yeah, so I think that's a really important capacity and kind of skill set that these young people will be bringing. Um, but it does mean you know, kind of getting away from these really sort of backwards and racist discourses that we still see, um, you know, coming out from our politicians. So I guess that that will continue to play out. Um, but, I, you know, I'm kind of optimistic that things will change. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Remy, for joining us on the show today and talking about this uh, survey. I really hope that kind of stuff comes out of it and as you said it's a bit uh, this, this voice is a bit more amplified um, but thank you for joining us very much on the show today no problem thanks for having me thank you you're listening to three now with the microphone on <laughs> you are listening to 3cr community radio this has been wednesday breakfast and um it's 8 26 which means our show is basically over <gasps> I know, I know. It's all done. Um, it's been a good show. I've, I've really enjoyed speaking to, um, to, oh, actually hearing from Dr. Rumi Khan, um, mm -hmm. just, just now. now. Uh, earlier we were speaking to Charmaine Smith, who's the director of the DAC Centre, which has merged with SANE. 
Yep. And we're talking about that art exhibition, which is on now. Yes, it's called Stigma Dismantled and Revealed. Take the 19 tram from the city um, and get off at Melbourne uh, Melbourne University and you'll be able to get into the DAC Centre through the cafe. (laughs) Um, uh, Earlier in the show, we were speaking to Debbie Brennan of anti-fascist... organization push Mm. who will be leading a contingent at a protest against jacob peterson who's a far right ideologue and will be speaking next wednesday evening at the melbourne convention center on white man street uh that uh, those uh oh yeah those were our interviews for for the day i did promise that i'd come back with information about barbara and the camp dog please do it was uh written by ursula jovich and alana valentine Directed by Leticia Caceres and um, performed by Troy Brady, Elaine Crombie, and Ursula Jovich, who helped, uh, who wrote brilliant, um, brilliant. Barbara and Camp Dogs. I still can't find out where you can get the CD from, but um, you can probably grab it online somewhere. It'll be available. But you can find mm-hmm. Barbara and the Camp Dogs clips on YouTube. I Fantastic. just looked that up and it's there. Yep. Um, I'm going to hit us up with a thank you and a big shout out to 3CR. And the reason I bring this up is we're currently going through our subscriber drive. I subscribed mm-hmm. last year. It has been one of the best experiences I have possibly done. I've heard so many new voices. So if you are interested in subscribing, it is $35 for a concession or a pension subscription, $75 waged, and $150 for a solidarity. Um, and I really do suggest that you you get involved if you want to because this station is very democratic and it's got a lot of you get active say in what happens and what goes on there which is amazing absolutely as a subscriber you can vote in our elections mm-hmm. um which we've got coming up as it happens it does. And, it be- um, and it is because of that that 3cr mm-hmm. is where it is today 40 plus years strong yeah beautiful um you can call during business hours to subscribe just call 9419 8377. That's 94198377. That's from 9 to 5 every weekday. Um, otherwise, you can just come into the station, 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. You just need to press the buzzer and we'll let you in. Yep. Um, 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Fitzroy. Anyway, uh, that's us done for the show today. Anything Absolutely. you're Thank thankful you. for, Will? What am I thankful for? I'm thankful for being well again. I'm <laughs> thankful for um, the Dixie Chicks, um, who are fantastic. And I'm, um, yeah. How about you, Aiden? I think Dean and I are thankful for Bowie. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but also, uh, and I said it last time, and I'll always say it, thankful for 3CR to, for giving me a voice. Definitely. We'll see you next time. Uh, next up, stick together. 3CR relies on the support of ethical organisations to keep our vital community of voices on air. And we'd like to thank our breakfast supporters, the new international bookshop, Nibs, at Trades Hall, and eco-friendly paper and printing outfit, Earth Greetings. You can check them out at nibs.org.au and earthgreetings.com.au. And if you'd like more information on how your organisation can become a 3CR supporter, contact the station on 03 9419 You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.